Hello and welcome to Shh, We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Saylet. And this is Kalina. And we're a podcast who reads and reviews paranormal romance novels, except for this one is not paranormal romance. No, not at all. <laughs> but, you know, change it up every once in a while. Sometimes you know, we just throw some contemporary at you guys. It's just the thing we do. And we love the book that we are reviewing and the author that we're reviewing for this week's episode. So thank you for returning and joining us. And uh, yeah. All Things right. Have happened. <laughs> I have a quickie for you. Let's do this. Do you like motorcycles? <laughs> um uh, yes. Yes, I do. And just the PSA. It's motorcycle season, friends. So look out for the bikes on the roads, please. Yeah, I do. I had a real, I guess, bias view of motorcycles. Not really biased. I just, I didn't like them at first because they were really scary to me. And I didn't feel like when I was uneducated about the whole thing, like I, I just thought that they were loud and annoying and the people who rode them were loud and annoying. But that was before I knew anybody in the community. That was before I took it, you know, safety classes and learned, actually learned how to ride it. And I actually have my endorsement. I can drive a motorcycle. Well, my license tells me I can drive a motorcycle. <laughs> if you gave me one right now, I may not be able to even like know how to turn it on. That was a long time ago. <laughs> but I do like motorcycles. Uh, they're a lot of fun to ride. They're super dangerous, but they're also super fun. And they don't have to be as dangerous as people make them to be. They could just normal modes of transportation. But, um, but I do enjoy riding them. Dan has a Harley. And that's fun to ride sometimes. And I can't ride it because it's too heavy for me. Oh, I think that's really opportunistic or not opportunistic, but just funny, coincidental that you came up with this because yesterday I had one of my Salette moments <laughs> and I almost texted you and Emily about it. And it was, I now understand why they call it a crotch rocket. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it before. Like, or I just never made it click before. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah, there's a rocket on your crotch. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's uh, funny i don't like motorcycles <laughs> i do think they are loud and annoying <laughs> there's a few on my block in particular that they seem to like just love revving as they you know exit the neighborhood as loud as they can and i'm just like that's just not necessary but um they scare me people definitely die on them or are quadriplegic for life, and that's scary too. And when you're on the highway and all of a sudden one's right next to you, it's terrifying. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't see you. And <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And in the state of Colorado, you're not allowed to ride between lanes. That's not a law here. Well, you should tell some of those people. <laughs> I should tell all of the people because when it does happen, I do have a problem with it because we as drivers are not used to it because we're not no. supposed to be doing it. So it's a California thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a couple of other states. Okay. Just like helmet laws. They're all like, here, we don't have to wear helmets. But in California, well, that's you do. dumb but as shit. <laughs> it's just it's so crazy well if you're not allowed to ride between cars you could take your helmet off <laughs> no none of it is it doesn't make any sense i think that implementing safety procedures mm -hmm. always is always going to be the best for people because a lot of people aren't going to be knowledgeable about how you know riders ride like no and people in cars suck like yeah. i had a guy almost <laughs> kill me just because i was only going 30 in a 30 and he decided oh, no. i know how horrible and he decided that he needed to go around me 
and it was just a two lane street. And as I was trying to make a left turn into my na- uh, my vet office, he tried to go around me, and then we almost all died. And like, if anybody involved had been on a motorcycle, it just wouldn't have been good. <laughs> and I'm just like, what an oh. idiot. Yeah, the guy sucked so bad. And then he's just like honking up the street and flipping me off. And I'm like, I was going thirty, and then I put my turn signal on to turn left into my vet. And like all he did was get to the next light, which was like two blocks for you know up the road, just really fast. And I'm like, okay, you go, you go wait at that light. <laughs> yeah, you go get angry over there, sir. Jeez, I'm glad that helped. I'm glad it. that was good for you. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, so like the fact that and they're in giant cars, they're in giant trucks or giant SUVs, and I just am mm-hmm. like, you just don't stand a chance in a on a motorcycle against something like that and with bad drivers. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it scares me. I'm not a fan. I have had like not anyone really close to me, but, you know, friends of family, family friends, stuff like that, that have lost life or lost mobility due to accidents mm-hmm. on, on motorcycles. So and then yeah, I watched they're, they're uh, some dumbasses uh, <laughs> tip a motorcycle <laughs> when they were. Oh, on. yeah. I've seen that too. No, I've that, seen them tip. That when we were over yeah. at, I think at your house or something. He like, didn't tip. He ran into a tree. Oh, that's right. He drove into a tree. I just remember <laughs> being like, what the us. fuck is happening? All of us were like that. And then everybody started running towards him and then tried to like cover up the crime scene. It wasn't a crime. There was no crime done. But it was a, a stupidity scene. <laughs> a scene yeah. of stupidity. Yeah, I was just like, I can't be part of this dumbness. <laughs> no. I was just like, wow, that is very, very special. But anyway. So what happens when you put a rocket in your crotch and you don't know what you're doing? <laughs> or you're been drinking. Oh, the drinking. I'm sure that was a factor there. But so there's yeah. I have no desire to ever just be on the back of one. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not going to say it'll never happen. It's just not something I wish for. So Yeah, like it's not on your bucket list. If it does ever happen, I will probably not enjoy it and be like, okay, that was good. Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, I think it was a lot easier and more fun to ride when it was just Dan and I. Mm-hmm. But now I have like reasons that I need to actually be on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> like I now have two people that depend on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's you a have, little you bit have different. Like more than two, so. Oh my god, you're totally right. I don't want to be reminded of it. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. You're right. I have like 15 people. So many people. I mean, what so would I do without more. you with this podcast? It's just oh not nearly god, as fun. Right. How how funny would it be if it was just like you putting in like snipping off my voice and creating content? <laughs> like Pin piecing, piecing. Oh no! My, my With replies. that fucking AI now, I have enough hours of your voice. Oh All I'd have to do is feed, make it listen to your voice, oh and then tell God. it the script I want you to say. And I bet you that fucking AI shit would be able to do it. it. Would they we, would absolutely so be able to do even it? Even when you're gone, we're gonna have podcasts for decades. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, here's what Salette would say in this situation. <laughs> and then to be like, cleaning you need help. <laughs> you gotta let it go. I don't even know how to post them so they wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> it would just be me recording them. You're like, and note for AI, please post this for us on Podbean. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I bet you could train an AI to do that. Not train, but program. I'm sure I could figure it out if I needed to, but I choose not to need to. Yeah. Well, it's not. We're good. I'm all right. All, all right, right guys. 
So for this week's book, we read The Bride Test. It is one of the uh, a book of the Kiss Quotient series by Helen Huang. And this one was narrated by Emily Wu Zeller. I wonder if the other one was too. I don't remember. I don't think it was. I feel as if there was a different narrator, but let me do a quick... I actually think you're right because this her she narration sounded was very different. She sounded very different. Her voice is really deep, and I really love her voice. Oh yeah, like it, it was a really good narration. I enjoyed so much listening to it. Well, and I loved how she was able to do very clearly when the character was speaking Vietnamese because mm-hmm. Esme, the main the main woman, spoke mostly in Vietnamese, and so the way she read that was different than when she intoned her reading like speaking in English because English English. was her second Mm -hmm. language and like the ability to show us that would be sounding different Mm -hmm. and like you know it wasn't just accent but it was different sounding too like I thought it was very well done if they spoke like a Vietnamese person speaking English because I I know those like I know people like you Mm -hmm. know in my community so to me it was perfectly done it was executed so well I was like yes that's exactly it 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 fit right I think it is a different narrator because I think Stella from the first book even though Michael was Vietnamese I don't think Stella was I think she was of Chinese I kind of think so too I feel like it was Chinese Um, yeah Yeah. Carly Robbins did the first book and then yeah emily Wu zeller for the second book and then the third book is brian nishi and natalie nadas so it'll oh. be two it'll be a dual narration for the second or the third book which is fun is that juan's book i think so i was just gonna go look it up because <laughs> i was like wait, i, I am so in wait. love with him <laughs> i love Juan so much he's like so cool <laughs> yeah Quan. it's Quan's book Oh, his name. Oh, Quan is, is another cousin. No, he he's Kai's brother. Quan. His name is Quan. Q U A N. Quan. So it's not Quan. No, it's Quan. Quan. Okay, uh, I just okay. So she might have been saying it very lightly then. I think so. She it did definitely. And there were a couple times I slowed it down because I was like, I wonder if I'm listening to it too fast, and that's why I can't get any of the names. But I, it didn't help. <laughs> it just made me yeah. realize how I don't like listening to slow books. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. And it, that's it, some of the disadvantages of listening to a book versus reading the book, because you can sort of interpret it yourself. But it's also a prime example of why we need narrators that represent the people that are in the books so that they can pronounce the names and stuff the correct way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Important. So this is this is the second book that we are highlighting for Asian Pacific American Awareness Month. So that will close us out for that. And uh, we hope you guys read along with us. It was wonderful. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, in case you guys are new to the podcast or whatever, this is book two of Helen Huang's series. And we did Kiss Quotient last year for episode uh, 110. Just yes, it's called the Kiss Quotient series is what the three books are called. But so Kiss, uh, no, uh, the bride test. So we meet Mai in Vietnam. And I'm not going to be able to say mom's name. Can you say it again? Gong. It's like the back of your throat. (laughs) Um, But she's she's Kai's and Kwan's mother, and she is despairing of her 26-year-old son, Kai, who is yet to have a girlfriend, and she just needs him to get married and have grandbabies. (laughs) 
That's all she wants. <laughs> yeah. So she goes to Vietnam and she's apparently holding auditions in like a hotel <laughs> where women are coming and uh, interviewing with her for the chance to go to America and meet her son and, put, and potentially marry him. And none of them are right. There's all these beautiful women in tight, skimpy outfits uh, who keep coming into the bathroom of the hotel crying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and that's where Maya is. And she's she's uh, the maid at the hotel. She's cleaning the bathroom. And she's like, why are all these ladies crying? And like, what's going on? And then eventually Gongnya uh, comes uh-huh. in and sits down because there's a rest area in one of those fancy hotel bathrooms, you know, with like the couches and things. And uh-huh. she's like, they start talking. And she basically is like, hey, you're perfect for my son. You should come to America. <laughs> spend the summer <laughs> and make him fall in love with you and get married and <laughs> obviously the you know Maya is like no uh that well also she throws out a little bit of a test which is hey you know what even if he doesn't love you if you get pregnant he'll do the right thing so yeah, you know just did. like show up and try to get pregnant bitch and like she's like no I'm not gonna do that you know she has yeah. she says that's not acceptable and I'll give you $20,000 oh the $20,000 I also forgot mm-hmm. the $20,000 buyout um so she storms out and says no but Gongya finds her phone number from the hotel and calls her later and is like, hey, that was a test. I'm so glad you you said no. That's not what I want. I really don't want to trick my son into marriage. Um, but I still do think you're the right person for this. So please come to America and it'll be wonderful. And so, you know, she talks with her mom. She is a young mother with a daughter. Baby daddy's out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And she lives with her mom and grandma. They're all kind of had like kind of a little bit of a generational pattern happening. And they live in like a one room house and they struggle to get by, you know, with her cleaning salary. And, and I think mom works too and grandma. And so they're both like, well, mom especially is just like, you've got to do this. You have to try. Like if mm-hmm. this, this could be life changing, you know, if this works and if he wants to marry you, then we can all go to America. And yep. like your daughter deserves a different life. Like she doesn't Give deserve Give the life to her that none of us ever can. Yeah, that we didn't get. And so she decides to go. And when she's filling out her paperwork and doing her uh, like visa for America, she does change her name to Esmeralda, their favorite character from a Disney movie, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And so mm-hmm. for the rest of the book, she goes by Esme, right? Esme, yeah. Esme, yeah. Esme or mm-hmm. Esmeralda. Esme, really. And so we're going to call her that because that's what she's called in the book for the rest of Yeah, for the duration of the book, yeah. And it's just like putting Es in front of May, which May. is her name. So yeah. Esme, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she goes to America. She meets Kai. He picks her up at the airport. He's all like, he's not happy about the situation, but mom basically blackmails him into it too. And it's like, I will just have to keep trying if you don't do this. And he's like, okay, but if I do this once and it doesn't work, then we stop forever. And And she's like, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Fine. You have to really try, though. You have to take her out on dates and and behave like a fiance. And if it doesn't Mm -hmm. work, then I won't try anymore. But if you don't try, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep flying people from Vietnam in to get married. Yeah. And by the way, everybody set your wedding date. So don't fuck it up. Oh, yes. It's uh, you have the whole summer. But on August 8th, you will get married to her at the church or what or at the the community center or something. I forget what it was. And so and if you don't, then she goes home on August 9th. 
Yep. And I'm like, damn. Mom is like, Done. she's got this. She's on it. So as he shows up, they meet. They're kind of like talking and he's, she can already tell he's kind of different, but mm-hmm. she doesn't know exactly how or why. Um, so we know as the audience, he is autistic. And some of the family seem to accept that and, and kind of understand what that means. And others kind of behave as if it just means he's weird. <laughs> Right. They don't really. So like some of his family members interact with him, you know, in a helpful way to like they understand some of his quirks Mm -hmm. and some of the things he needs. But others kind of see it as just, just being rude. Like when he can't connect on a topic or or make eye contact or understand the emotions or, you know, the the timings and, you know, things, Mm -hmm. the social cues. So he has a lot of rules. Like his sister has given him rules for dating, even though he's not ever done it. Like, you know, always opened and closed doors. Always, I forget some of the other ones, but like don't don't stare inappropriately at her boobs or her butt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And so he's memorized these rules and he's going to follow them, except like that he really likes looking at Esme's body. So he does have trouble with that rule. <laughs> yeah. So they start living together for a while. She's trying to like do stuff around the house to help him and to like make him like her. She's cooking. She's chopping down trees with his meat cleaver. Yes. Oh, so funny. I was like, is this a reverse Sayla and Dan situation? Because <laughs> he's always taking your kitchen stuff and doing work stuff like, with it. Oh, yard work. Which is so funny because this is so reminiscent of my life, all the, the different situations in this. But I'm just like laughing out loud when I'm listening to this story. And I'm like, yes, that is my mom to a T. Also, she'll also take out the meat cleaver and start chopping down, you know, like <laughs> weeds and branches and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like it's it's totally 100%. I relate. I relate. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So she st- she does she starts working at the mom's restaurant, her noodle restaurant. So she does have a job while she's there, making money that she's able to send back to her family in Vietnam. And then she also is supposed to go. There are three family weddings during the summer, and she has to attend all of them with uh, Kai. And uh, mom seems to think that that'll also help forward their relationship towards marriage. So the first wedding they go to, she's very fancy dressed up, like super tight, small dress and high, high, high heels. And none of the other women are kind of dressed that way. So she feels a little out of place. And she already knows what people are saying about her because she's, mm-hmm. I mean. She's a foreigner she's, that's coming here yeah, too. She's, yeah. They brought her from the home country mm-hmm. to get married to a son. So yeah. obviously. And the one that everyone thinks is kind of weird, right? So yeah. it, it, they're like, oh, yeah, she's after a green card. She's after his money. Because mm-hmm. he's super wealthy, but he also does not have the ability to that describe that to, or to. <laughs> he doesn't talk about it, and he doesn't mm-hmm. look like because he's living in a rundown house that he's like let falling apart because he's mad at his neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. He's like fuck the neighbor. Yeah, and his Porsche is like a little banged up, and he's like, uh. <laughs> I know. Mm, so it's sure. really funny. So they. They kind of start off, okay, he really does like her, but he doesn't like all the shit she's doing around the house, like changing stuff. She's moving the way, you know, where things go. And he, 
can't find anything. She's re- rolling his socks a strange way, and and it's just it's it's getting under his skin. She doesn't know that he's autistic, so she doesn't know any of this stuff is kind of a quirk that he might, you know, have a strange attachment to the way things are done, and having order and and sameness around his house. Like he only wears black because it just makes his life easier, you know, stuff like that. And his routines are very important, and she kind of disrupts his routines. And she's uh-huh. here eating fruit, and he hates fruit, and she tries to make him <laughs> eat fruit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then one night she has a nightmare. Uh, she has this reoccurring nightmare that her baby daddy has taken her daughter from her, Jade. And so she wakes up crying and crawls into bed with him. And he just like is like, oh, oh, he just oh. like pets her. I, okay. There's he doesn't know what to do with yeah. crying women. And so she spends she, then she starts sleeping with him every night in the bed, just sleeping. And he really starts to like that. She's like, this is good. We're kind of moving. She's really liking him. She is getting attached to him. And Mm -hmm. he's doing nice things that make her think he's also becoming attached to her. Like she starts going to school in the evening. There's an adult school across the complex from the restaurant she works at. So she starts attending there for English classes. But then also she's basically taking like GED regular, you know, Mm -hmm. like general studies courses so she can get her GED because she never finished school back home. And so she's doing that, but she never tells him. And then she falls once and like twists her ankle and ends up in the urgent care. She calls just to tell him she's going to be late and not to worry about him or about her. And he's like, can you kind of hear what's going on? And he's like, where are you? And she's like, oh, I just hurt myself. I'm fine. I'm in a hospital. And she's and he like freaks out. So he comes and finds her and he <laughs> like carries her around after that. So she doesn't have to walk. And it's just... It's so sweet. It's and like sweet. he takes her up to Cal Berkeley because f- she thinks she can find her dad. Her dad's an American that was in Vietnam for a work trip for a period of time. And her mom was his house cleaner. And then eventually, I guess, his lover, <laughs> you know, because uh-huh. she ended up pregnant. Um, but he left before she knew. And then when he came back, she was gone. So he never knew about her, the baby. And she only knew him as Phil. Turns out his name's not even remotely Phil. So fuck off. Not that. even close to Phil. <laughs> nah. But anyway, she. Th- <laughs> but the only thing she does know is he, he had a Cal Berkeley sweatshirt. So they Mm -hmm. think that he was at school there. So she thought she'd go there and ask about him. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but walking into a registrar's office and being like, I need a Phil who went to school here 24 years ago. (laughs) Doesn't result in a very helpful amount of information. Anyway, so he is working with her and trying to do all this and be helpful. And then, I don't know, they they seem like they might be moving it. They keep going forward and backwards, forwards and backwards, right? Where they fight over certain things and then she doesn't talk to him for a while and then sweet things happen. They finally, at the second wedding, he kind of, things kind of come to a head because that's the first time she's meeting Quan. He comes to that way. Mm -hmm. He missed the first one, but he comes to the second one and he's all like, damn, she's real hot, bro. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're lucky. She's awesome. And she's funny and she eats lobster and cracks lobster for people which that's cool um <laughs> she's yeah she's trying to prepare the meal and like feed him you know yeah. but he's he's like she's touching my food <laughs> yeah he's got a germ a germ transference issue so he doesn't really like that and then he he like kai leaves the table and they keep laughing and and 
talking and it obviously it's jealousy he's definitely experiencing yes. jealousy but he doesn't know this because he can't identify his emotions and uh-huh. so he's just like mad at Quan, and he doesn't know why <laughs> and uh-huh. so Quan picks it up Quan's like oh bro's jealous he's like all right hey well if you're not gonna do anything what if i uh what if i hook up with I'm, her? I mean, I'm, interested. I'm interested yeah like i'll, I'll go <laughs> dance with her right now bro and he's like yeah that's fine whatever i don't care but he fucking <laughs> cares like <laughs> Well, yeah, and Quan knows this too. He's just trying to prompt this connection to happen, even though he's just like, I'll do it. I mean, you know, because he's also like really cool and really attractive and everything too. Super tatted, super muscle. Super tatted. Yeah. And so, but, and super, and just really nice. Cause even Esme was like, oh, this one's really nice too, but I don't want to be that girl that everybody thinks that I'm just here for. If it doesn't work with one brother, I have to go for the other brother, you know, cause then she'd, she'd be that woman that is just there for the green card the money exactly but you know there's nothing wrong with that but anyway (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so but then he you know kai leaves storms off and tries to go read his book because he always brings a book to the wedding because he doesn't like him and then she's like sad now because she because he left her again he has this habit of just leaving her and she's like bothered by it because like the first day she's there he just he can't handle her in the house so he just goes to the office at like on sunday and leaves her completely without telling her he was leaving and it's her first day in america and she's just like okay but he keeps mm-hmm. doing that kind of thing so he he leaves the restaurant or not the restaurant he he goes downstairs at this wedding and then he's decided he's just going to leave entirely cuz Quan can get her home like if she's having such a good great time yeah. with Quan why doesn't she just go home with Quan you know mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not like and then he does have a moment of conscience cuz he goes well i should at least tell her that i'm leaving <laughs> Yes, he does. Which is a big improvement because he hasn't done that mm-hmm. before. And so no. he goes to turn around to tell her, to find her, to tell her that he's going to leave. And she's on the stairs waiting, like watching him basically go to the door and almost leave and then come back. Mm-hmm. And he, and she's like, were you just about to leave? And they have a moment and they start making out and <laughs> it's super sexy. And then mama and all the aunties come down the stairs and are like, oh, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they realize they should probably go home because they oh yeah you know. Gonga's like uh <laughs> go home let's take care of this and even like May's mom was like you know you have to probably do things with him while you're there <laughs> yeah I know her uh, own mom is like to sort of look love comes later this. you gotta <laughs> just get in there and just get it done set him up yes <laughs> we if you want a good life for your daughter I mean I know it sounds like a really messed up message to to do it but I I understand these tales but you know she's just like you have to be a bad girl to do this to make it work right yeah well i mean it's a, and then it's also such a cultural thing d- would depend on the quote unquote target right mm-hmm. of the scheme like yeah for some men yeah that's probably because they're okay with it like it, it's yes. transactional and it becomes something like they sought out a quote unquote mail order bride or something because they just wanted they really are trying to take like love and emotions out of it and just have that relationship. But that's not like this isn't quite looking for that. It's no, it's really his mom trying to find someone because she's afraid he's going to be alone, mm-hmm. that he doesn't realize how lonely he is, that he doesn't realize that it's nice to have someone help you with life and take care of you and like be there for you. And then you could be there for them. And so she's trying to help him. She just knows that she has to do it this way. It's not mm-hmm. the greatest, but it is 
it will help if he can find the one that she knows that if he finds somebody and becomes attached to them, it'll be his one. Like that. Yeah. That's the way his brain works. That he'll just be in. And mm-hmm. so it's definitely working. It's just he's got these hangups where he really truly believes his heart is stone. And so anyway, they go home. They have their first sex scene, which is oh, so good. So funny. So, in funny. This book. so he has not told her he is a virgin. He hasn't told mm-hmm. anyone. He just, I mean, he figures that some of his family know. He's never dated. So they kind of got to assume, right? But mm-hmm. no one's ever asked directly. So he just doesn't talk about it. And so he did. And he never told her. And he hasn't told her that he's autistic either. Oh, wait, he did. He said it with the haircut because he told her there has to be a certain way you touch me. Yes. She just never looked it up. She doesn't know what autistic means. So she just was like, okay. And she thought it just meant the touching thing. So he he taught her to... You have to touch him with firm touches, no light touching. Yeah, it has to be pressed with pressure. And don't surprise him. He doesn't, yeah, no no surprises. And he doesn't like, was it just his head or his face? It was something around his He's face. He's okay too, with that if if she knows how to touch it. It's his belly button. Okay. Oh, that's right. <laughs> no <laughs> belly button. That was my touch. one rule. No belly button. Which I'm in agreement with him on that, by the way. Don't touch the belly button. There's no oh, reason no. for you to touch it. Oh, no. You Why are you belly. there? Well, because it's on the way. <laughs> to the other place it's in between well, you, you can skip over that spot just go no. and then go oh no I just, my belly button's like sensitive and it's stretched since I've been pregnant but uh. yeah no there's like a whole ecosystem in there <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so they have sex and all his frame of reference is this ninth grade sex ed so we know he does have a condom Quan gave it to him. So he does have that. So Quan that's a good like, sign. Here you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he knows his own body because he jerks off. Mm-hmm. It's part of his morning routine. So he knows how to do that. So he's good with that. And then he's like, oh, man, sex is better than jerking off. It feels <laughs> very good. And he goes and he goes and then he's done. And then, well, he's done. <laughs> he's done. And that's it because that's all he knows how to do. So he gets up. He goes into the bathroom, he takes the condom up, and he takes a shower. And, and all sh- three of us, me, you, and May, <laughs> were laying back like, um, um, ooh, uh, it was that it? <laughs> and then we're all instantly mad at him. So mad. <laughs> we have a little bit more reference because we know it's part of the autism yes. and she doesn't understand that. But yeah, she is like pissed. Yeah, she's not happy. She, she left her unsatisfied. Yeah. She's unsatisfied <laughs> to say the, th- the, the the least. But then it's almost as if he has to wash her off immediately. Like he's yeah. showering within seconds of finishing. And yeah. it's like he jumps okay. off and he's showering. And then he acts like nothing is wrong. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't like, realize that something is wrong. Yeah, he's just like, cool, she's she needs to shower too. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, that's cool. And then she goes and like, yeah. And by the next morning, he's like, she's being really weird. She's like not talking to him. <laughs> she's really she's, mad at me. She's, she's like, yeah. She's, she she goes to sleep back the on the couch. Yeah, and- she, she leaves every time he enters a room. She goes into a new room. She can't be around him. And he's like, she's, she's like trying to study. And he goes to sit next to her and she leaves. And he's like, what the fuck? And he goes and talk, tries to talk to her. And she's like, no. And like, she won't talk to him. So he's like, I definitely did something wrong but i don't know what it is so he gets and he goes and talks to his brother and they call 
their cousin Michael, who was from the first book. And in the uh-huh. first book, um, if anyone has read it or remembers our episode, Michael was a gigolo. He was a, he was a male sex worker. Male escort. And so he definitely has the insight on sex. He knows what he's talking about. And so that's why Quan's like, we're going to talk to Michael. He's going to back me up on this. But they basically kind of talk him through, figure out what happened. And they're like, so and he's like, yeah, it was just fine. It was really good. I enjoyed it. And then I went and took a shower. And they're like, wait a second. What? <laughs> Hold on. Let's go back, bro. Like, did she have a good time? He's like, yeah, she made fo- she made noises. It was fine. And they're she like, she made noises. Mm. <laughs> that was in the case. He's like, yeah, she made noises. And he was fur Like, he believed everything he was saying because he just doesn't know any better. And they're like, no, 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 that's not enough. In fact, noises don't always mean anything because they can make fake noises. But did you touch your clit? And and he he's like, what? What's a clit? What's and a they're clit? like, oh no, oh no, oh my! And they just keep saying that over out. and over again. Yes. And he's like, she didn't have an orgasm. He's like, what are the symptoms of a woman's orgasm? <laughs> what are the symptoms? <laughs> How am I supposed to know that a woman has had an orgasm? Oh my god, I love it so much. <gasps> it I was so, it so bad. This was one of the best things. <laughs> oh, it really was. And so so Quan was like, here's some books. This one is what was like Sex for Dummies. Sex or for Dummies was, was one of them. So they, yeah, there's a couple of like sex ed books. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Like, you're going to need to read these. Read these. There's something about like <laughs> women's pleasure, I think. And he's like, now mm-hmm. this is not a rule book. You don't have to do everything all the time. Because he mm-hmm. does knows that that's kind of how Kai thinks that he will yes. read this book and be like, this is step one, two, three, four. And yeah. I have to do them all in this I order. I have to know these steps. And he's like, no, no, no. That's their suggestions and ideas. <laughs> just follow the points and figure it out on your own. Just guys like, are these books clean? Are they safe <laughs> to handle or something? I just, oh, I just love it. I love it so much. It was like, uh, I jerk off to porn, not to books or like how to books. Kind of self help. Yeah, yeah. how to books. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so funny. Oh, I'm such dying. a good scene. That was such a good scene, and it's so cool to see the relationship between these cousins. Yeah, you know, between the brothers and the cousins, because we have that struggle within the, ourselves, even just as two friends that talk mm-hmm. with each other about sex. You know, of course, we've overcome it in the last six years. <laughs> That's way different, but it's so cool to see it portrayed between men. Yeah you know family members between men on a book and how it's just like super normal for them to be able to express themselves in that and i love that message that's been sent out well and i love how awkward it was at the beginning like con was like why can't i say that like he's like why is this hard to talk about like because you know guys talk about sex but they talk about it in like that raunchy way yes he knew he couldn't he knew he couldn't do that that's not what Kai was there for. He needed to mm-hmm. hear real talk. And so he was like, I can't, I, I, we got to call Michael. <laughs> He's like, I need Michael's help to get through this. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, help say the right. And even Michael, a sex worker for a while, yeah. was like, I can't, why can't I ask the direct question of did she yes. orgasm? <laughs> Exactly. Like it was very, it was very cute. It was a good scene, mm-hmm. and Kai's just sitting there going, "Why are you? I don't understand why you guys are even being weird about. Like, tell me, because I, I don't know to what I don't know yet." He's like, "I don't," because then at the end, like the whole conversation, he's like, "But they didn't say that in sex ed." <laughs> Oh. He keeps going and like they, his whole reference yes. is ninth grade sex head. And they're like, they did he didn't they didn't say about a clitoris that no one told me. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's exactly they won't. true. That's you, why you don't know how, about it. 
No one can be assumed to know about clitorises unless people tell you about clit. Like, it's not just knowledge. It's not like DNA knowledge that we all carry around with us. You have to learn this stuff. Yeah. So it was very cute. He goes back. He apologizes. He brings her a bunch of fruit because she loves fruit. She's sitting on the yes. floor eating a giant bowl of lychees. <laughs> of canned lychees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he gives her all this fresh fruit and then he's like i i want to try again i learned that i didn't know a lot of stuff and then he's also and like it and it was my first, first time. time and she's yeah. like and she's just like oh. holy shit because <laughs> it was feeling really good for her when they were doing it yeah. and like you know the beginning of the moment and stuff but and then she felt like like she was actually close and and they were going through all of it and listening to the breathing and everything but then he came and then he was just done he's like see you, see you later Bye. I'm shower time and then i'll just go through the rest of the book real fast because we know where it's going to end well we're still doing <laughs> clits nuts yeah, it's right? our episode guys. the whole thing is just clits nuts sorry i started doing way too much detail on this book no, i didn't mean to right. which is funny because it's not even like one of our book where i have to explain like the magic world that we now inhabit no, it's a it, fucking yeah. anyway <laughs> as you guys can probably guess they fall out well first they have a really wonderful month together they feel like they're in a relationship they have mm-hmm. they figure out sex for each other all of it's wonderful and great and then she's like i love you do you love me and he's like no Straight i don't love up. you just i don't love you and then she runs love, away. I will never love you. And I will never love you. But we should get married. He, he does that. He does pull that. He's like, <laughs> I can marry you. You can live with me for three years. And then we can get a divorce. And you'll have your green card. And like, just very fact oriented. He's like, this will be yep. great for you. And we can keep having sex. It's great because I like sex. But I don't love you. And she's like, uh, <laughs> fuck off. And then your heart just fucking breaks. I'm like crying in those scenes. Full on point blank. Just I don't love you and I can't love you. I will never love you. Yeah. Well, he doesn't explain the can't. Because I think also if he had at any point been like, I am not capable of love because I have a stone mm-hmm. heart. She'd been like, oh, we can figure this out. You just don't understand. But he doesn't. See, that's the thing is he doesn't explain himself. He just believes he can't love. So he just says, I can't love or I don't love. I don't love you. Mm-hmm. I don't love you. I don't have emotions. I don't, I don't feel. I am a robot. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. he does tell his brother that at one point. He's a he's an automaton <laughs> robot or something. And his brother's like, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Conflict they fight. Mm-hmm. She moves out. She's living on her own. She gets her GED. She's trying to go to college. Time's running out, though, because, you know. It's just three months. There's only three months. And she's got to have this all decided because her tourist visa is going to run out. And eventually, Quan is just like, fine, I I know how we can fix this. Let's get married. And this will drive him crazy. And he will figure out he loves you. (laughs) This whole time, he's having having conversations with Kai about how he really does have emotions. Like, look, you've saved. So there was another cousin who died in a a motorcycle accident 10 years ago, who Uh was Kai's closest friend, best friend, super understood Kai. And Kai had asked him to come over. And that's when he got in an accident on his motorcycle and died and so kai has the bike it stays in his garage his garage is big enough for the bike and the car but he parks his fucking nice ass porsche on the streets and is always mad about birds pooping on it because he can't park in his garage because the motorcycle lives in the garage Mm -hmm. so obviously these are this is guilt this is sadness this is loss and emotions and he just doesn't think any of it is really that he also had a tendency to get sick when or to manifest his emotions in physical form because 
He's probably going flu. through su- – yeah, he thinks he gets the flu all the time whenever he's – really when he's heartbroken because his body is probably feeling so intensely these emotions and his brain doesn't know how to process that. So instead it's like it becomes a physical symptom to him. He gets sick. And his brother's like, you don't have a fever. You don't have the flu. You're not sick. And also it's the summer. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, this is what – I have the flu. Why are you wearing a sweater right now? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's summertime. So they have a fake wedding and it's all planned. And, and meanwhile, Kai's like trying to figure out all the other it ways. It was a fake wedding, but it was also a I real mean, wedding. Because Quan was really going to marry her. Like He's like, yeah. if, I, if I have to, I'll do it. Yeah. You need to stay. You need – to have the chance, you I should get to go to you. the university here. You should get to bring your family here, and I can marry you for that, and that's fine. And that was essentially what Kai was trying to do. And for her, it was okay with Quan. Well, she didn't want to do it with Quan, but because she didn't love Quan, it wasn't that heartbreak of an emotion. Whereas she really wanted to marry Kai, but he just would not tell her that he loved her. No. He would tell her the opposite. That's just straight opposite. Yeah. Well, no, so, he wouldn't say I hate you. He just would, wouldn't say I love you. No, he's like, I, you know, I miss you and I like you, but I don't love you. Anyway, so there's a wedding. It almost is about to happen when all of a sudden her father shows up. So she's been searching for her father this whole time. Yeah. And Kai actually finds him because Kai's like, okay, I have to have an alternative. I can't marry her, but I can't let Quan marry her. And I can't let mm-hmm. her go back to Vietnam. So we need a new new plan. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, oh, if I find her father, she can get citizenship through her father. So we won't, uh-huh. nobody needs to marry her then. And, <laughs> and so, you know, without telling her, he's going through all of the information trying to find her father. Turns out his name is Cleves. That's not, just not Phil. Phil. I think his last name was like Philson or something. So he goes I by Phil. I didn't even think it. it I was. don't even think it had, was it really? Because yeah. I was just like, I don't even hear Phil in there It was anywhere. like Cleves and Phillips or something. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. All right. <laughs> it's not a first name. Yeah. And so he shows up and then Kai shows up. He rode the bike there. He kind of figured it all out. He he figured he does have emotions because <laughs> he was crying. He cries, finally. He yeah. was crying about his cousin who who died. And then he was like, oh, my God, this is what my body does. It's I just, just didn't understand yep. it. So he shows up and he says, I love, but he says it in Vietnamese first because he only speaks he English to her and she speaks Vietnamese she only to speaks him. Vietnamese to- <laughs> yes. And so he shows up to tell her that he loves her in Vietnamese first and then it's in English. It's so sweet. And, and then so he meets lovely. her daughter for the first time. She's oh, like, oh, by the way, I have a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't once tell him that she has a daughter, like yep. a little, little girl. So yeah, so that's great. She She's like, yes, I do love you and I will marry you and I don't want to marry Quan and now I don't have to marry anyone because I have my dad. <laughs> and yeah. so we get like a flash forward four years epilogue where she's graduating from Stanford, a super like super smart accounting economics major, I think, or something yeah. like that. And she's, her dad is there that he has married her mom. Like yeah, he, he's been he, looking for her. He did go back mom, to try to least. find her, mm-hmm. but she had moved out of because she was in a small town, a village, and had moved into the city when she got pregnant, or something like that. Or maybe she was in the city and had moved back to her village. Something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. After she so, got pregnant, yeah. So she, yeah. So they're together. Everyone's happy, happily ever after. Jade's there. She's so happy and proud of her mom. You know, mm-hmm. as May goes back to using May. As her name yeah. and has graduated and now has plans to get her doctorate <laughs> and yeah. solve all the world's problems. 
<laughs> and finally marry guy <laughs> yes because then he fi- he proposes with actual emotion and meaning this time around what a marriage proposal should be and she's like yes yes and it's lovely it's so cute Ah. It is so cute. Hey, I actually think that worked. Now, I know that was 40 minutes of Quits Notes, mm-hmm. but we essentially had a conversation. Like, that's the whole entire thing. Yeah, that's it. You did good. I know you went into details, but whatever. Like, that it's fucking great. worked. I, I think it worked it. perfectly. <laughs> yeah, this was... And again, I had this these same emotions when we went through the, the Kiss Quotient, where they're going through all of, like, the different things that they were going through, all the little events, like chopping down the tree with the meat cleaver, uh, going to the Asian stores, eating the ramatan and eating the lychee and the smell of fish sauce around the house. All of that is just so remnant. Like it's different. It, obviously, it's different cultures. They're Vietnamese. I'm Cambodian, but it's they're border countries. Like yeah, the culture really close. and the similarities. <laughs> yeah, very, very close. A lot of the same and food, a lot it. of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of the same, you know, customs. And, and, and I just love it. I, it just makes me feel represented. And that's exactly why we're doing this book is to bring awareness to that for this month of May. So not only do I love the ties of that, but the storytelling, because also it's different from the kiss quotient, even Mm -hmm. the sex scenes Mm -hmm. were very different. Yeah, I think this was also a really good way of showing the diversity within like autistic and neurodivergent Mm -hmm. people because Stella in the first book was autistic, but a very different type than Kai and she had her um, system where she was, you know, she went to meet Michael because she needed Michael to teach her what she didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And like her whole plan, this is like a 10 point plan for how I'm going to figure out relationship and sex. And then I will mm-hmm. be able to get married. And because my parents want me to. <laughs> yes. And whereas Kai, on the other hand, is like, I have decided I don't need a relationship because I'm made of stone and emotions are not something I understand or feel, so I will just ignore it entirely and never ever ask anyone about it <laughs> and just go through my life lonely. Like mm-hmm. he, he's like, no, I'm I'm I like being alone. And it turns out like towards the very end he's like, oh maybe I'm just used to it. Maybe I don't like it, but I just have become used to it. Yeah. So it shows us like the different ways, you know, like being autistic isn't one type of behavior either. It's not mm-hmm. one monolithic type. There's there's differences and people with autism approach life differently and have these different interactions and so you know it could have gone down the path of being like just the same story over again and it wasn't which was very neat i liked that Mm -hmm. and like having uh my not understand at all what this was just but knowing what she did get from the very beginning was she picked up on some of his quirks like some of the little mm-hmm. things that he did differently than than other people and adjusted like mm-hmm. okay i i do this with him and i like he won't ask me questions but he will answer if i you know if i talk to him directly and ask him a direct yeah. question but he doesn't engage in small talk the other way and like you know he likes certain things this way and the touching and like all of it she started to pick up on without knowing the diagnosis or understanding Uh what that meant Uh and that's you know all it takes for any of us is when you meet someone just really take your time to kind of look at them and figure them Uh out you know like don't assume you know how people 
are going to interact with you, how they're going to communicate with you. They might have different yep. communication styles and skills and strengths and weaknesses and like all of that. And it's just like, take a little bit of time and you can figure out how to relate to people. And how to appropriately interact with them. Because even though she had never heard the word autism before, because I could, I could tell you right now that I could probably say the word autism to somebody in Cambodia or to like my mom maybe, and she would have no clue what it was. So I don't even know, like I literally Google translated autism from English to Khmer, mm-hmm. and the word is autism. <laughs> like, it's just autism with an accent. But without explaining the diagnosis, yeah, I don't what is, think that what people does that would mean? even... Yeah. What does it even mean? And I could probably, just from my experiences being a Cambodian person, that's exactly how people would be. It's just like they'll learn your different idiosyncrasies, your different quirks, and how you react to certain things, and hopefully try to work with you on it. Or they'll just tear you down and tell you you're a terrible person, which has also happened. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think mostly we do want to send that message where it's like you you learn that part of those people and you learn to work with them and then you build this stronger relationship, understanding and stronger relationships with them. So I can resonate a lot with Esme on that part mm-hmm. of it because she, even though she didn't know what autism, quote unquote, was, um, she still was just like, I can do this. I want to do this. And she was willing to go all in and she did. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was just, it's a beautiful love story and I think it worked out. super, super pretty. Yeah. Very well. We love her books. We love Helen's books. Mm -hmm. They're really fun and the characters, the little family is just so, such a fun family and yeah, Yeah. I can't wait to read the third book next year and (laughs) get close. like, oh, that's going to be a good one. Yep. It'll be fun. That's a good one too. Let's go back real quick and just talk about the first sex scene, which we want to tie into our kiss and tell. Okay. Which (laughs) it's not about losing our virginity, you guys. We've talked about that already, (laughs) but it's about having similar experiences to what Esme sort of went through, like in her emotions of being left on the bed after having sex with somebody and they're just like they come and they're gone like literally they come and go mm-hmm. and then you're just left there like what the fuck just happened <laughs> and you're you're either left unsatisfied or you're confused or you're embarrassed you know so just having any type of experiences with that and and how we can relate to it yeah i feel like I definitely have had something similar happen, but it was when I was really young. And so and so was he like it was a teenage thing. And I do think when you're learning, like you're first experiencing sex, like sex is so big in the mm-hmm. teenage brain and in, in, in society at that time, you know, like, it's such a big concept. And it's so important. And it feels so grown up. And it feels so serious. Sex is mm-hmm. never more serious than when you're young. The older you yeah. get, the more you're like, sex is some funny ass this shit. This is fun <laughs> and silly as shit. Yep. And so I think what happens a lot, and I had a couple of times like this where especially guys are not as communicative about what's happening, right? And you don't want, like, number one fear from my early days as a you know woman, saying the wrong thing, right? Because I feel like the one thing we know is that, especially with some dudes, <laughs> if you say the wrong thing, they could like snap on you, right? So you don't want to say the wrong thing. Now, I don't think I was with anyone ever violent or anything. I was never afraid of violence, but I was just like, that's just part of like, what we're told, right? It's like, yeah, like just, and so you don't want to 
ask the wrong question. You don't want to be like, hey, what's uh, going on? <laughs> you know, like, because it's, you do know it's kind of a delicate situation. And so you don't want to yes. like put pressure on the situation. So you just are mm-hmm. like, but, but so you're taught not to say anything or question mm-hmm. anything. So you just kind of sit there like, and so like, there's been a couple of times where, yeah, like things were moving in a certain direction and then they stopped and they would, you know, get up and go to the bathroom and leave and then like, like come back and just, we'd get dressed and sit there and I'd be like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> You're just like, okay, um, all right. Look, there's TV. Well, I guess we'll watch yeah. TV. <laughs> hey, what's, what's happening on the news? And there was like, yeah, a stretch of time where that kind of occurred, not a ton, but occasionally. And it was awkward. And I never did ask. I never did push on it. And it was a lot more like when it worked for them, great. And when it didn't, and that mm-hmm. doesn't feel great. <laughs> Because eventually, like at some point, you start to think back at it and you're like, you know, I'm a full blown human being who deserved a little bit of uh, explanation and and talking about this topic. I'm not just like a toy here for you to use or not use as you wish. So, I mean, yeah strange huh so yeah similar things where you're just like you don't feel good about it no it's not a good feeling and it's always that awkward conversation afterwards that you know you want to have but you also know that you're not supposed to have right Mm because one we're also taught not to be rude would it be rude to ask those questions you know i mean i don't think so i think if it's a healthy relationship you shouldn't have any fear to do it at all no but i think teenagers are rarely rarely in healthy relationships That's exactly. Nor do they have the capacity to think about that. You know, that's just not how their brain hasn't formed those type of methods of communication yet. And and I think, I mean, I've had similar experiences for sure, too. And that was when I was really young. And you don't know that it's, I won't necessarily say wrong, but I also think that probably we were taught that that is the norm. Like, oh, you don't true. always have to, like, you're a woman. You don't have to get off. You what get you, what you get. And don't you be get upset. What you get. <laughs> And don't be afraid, you know, like, are you pregnant? Because that's all that matters. <laughs> so we're also taught not to ask those questions or to like have those emotions and feel like we have to be satisfied ourselves. And especially as a young person, you, you don't know any of that, right? No. But it did happen a lot more when I was younger, too. Not that I had incredible sex when I was like my no. my late teens or or, or no. even in my early 20s. And I was with Dan then, you know, but we were both still growing sexually together. And, you know, I mean, the first time Dan and I had sex, I was the one who got off and he didn't. (laughs) I was just like, I'm done. I can't. I'm tapping out. So it was reverse for us. So I guess we do live in reverse worlds. (laughs) But there has been situations and experiences that I've had with other partners that it's just like, okay. But and and at that point, like I I didn't know toys. I didn't masturbate. Like it just I just was it that was it. And I never took care of myself. I never I just didn't know mm-hmm. that that was an option that that was something to do. So, you know, so I just kind of was just like, okay, until next time. <laughs> See you later, friend, you know. <laughs> yep, just gonna <laughs> not talk and awkwardly leave, I guess. Yes. But, yeah. To- it now do you want to go have lunch now? What do we do now? <laughs> It's funny. It is. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure that it's still happening to teenagers today. Yes. Yes. And I just want to take a ball in and say, it's okay. It's supposed to be fun. Here's the thing you guys are missing. Mm -hmm. It's 
supposed to be fun, not (laughs) work. (laughs) Not work. And it's not supposed to be serious. You can if you want to sort of romanticize it, but not to the dramatic extreme that you guys are picturing in your head. It's not theatrical. And it's none of that should happen. Just enjoy yourselves. That's all it is. Yeah. Just yeah, just try. Oh, just try, talk. and and try to talk to each other. It's it's better that way. But you know. also that mm-hmm. communicate. So. Yep, and that all kind of ties into our fun fuck fact too. Which part of the reason, <laughs> especially in our culture, this is so difficult and angst ridden, is because sex ed is very bad in America. <laughs> oh, it's it's muy mal. <laughs> and so, um, as we learned from this book, because uh, Kai, his only frame of reference was his ninth grade sex ed class, which basically focused on probably on STDs and, and like pregnancy re- results, but never told him anything about women and uh, the clitoris and, and anything mm-hmm. like that. So he didn't know what he had done wrong. So I have an article for you guys that I'll put up this week. It is simplehealth.com. And it is titled, The Lack of Sex Ed in the United States is a Major Problem. Here is Why. It's published by Simple Health um, December 31st, 2020. And then it was updated December 20th of 2022. It does not have an author listed. Let me look, see if I can't find one. Nope. So there's no official author. They're just saying it's Simple Health dot com wrote it (laughs) so i guess (laughs) i guess we'll go with that there's a few bits i want to share but i think you guys can read the article it's not very long it's pretty quick um so the one of the things it goes over is that as of october 2020 only 30 states and the district of columbia even required public schools to teach sex ed And only 28 of those required both sex ed and HIV education. And even amongst those, the laws are Mm. quite varied. So you never know what the information is that is shared. It can be unreliable and at odds with actual educational materials. And then on the federal level, the government since 1982 has spent over $2 billion on abstinence-only education. So that's part of the problem is we are not yeah. focusing on actual sex, but on, hey, just don't do it. It's fine. That's so... <laughs> so oh. <laughs> it's real dumb. And it results in three very, very negative things for our country. One is that we have a higher teen birth rate than other countries, other countries of our kind of industrialized, developed nature. So mm-hmm. positive news, teen pregnancy hit all-time lows in 2016. So that's good. We are on a de- declining trend. And actually, there's a statistic, there's a lot of studies done in Colorado specifically, our state, because it's probably been about 15 years now that they switched to mandatory comprehensive sex ed instead of just abstinence-only classes. Uh-huh. And And we had a drastic decline in teen pregnancy rates after that went into effect in Colorado. So we're like a test case to prove how comprehensive sex ed actually has results. Um, So if you don't want teens getting pregnant, don't just tell them absent. Not to do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's not the answer. Um, Yeah. Correspondingly, since we have higher teen pregnancies, higher teen sex, we also have higher STDs in that age group. So 15 to 24 year olds make up about a quarter of the U.S. population, but they are half of all new STDs. That is insane to me. 
So we aren't doing a very poor job of telling our young people about diseases, sexual Uh transmitted infections, and how to prevent them. And instead, they're getting them, and that's not good for them long-term health. Because they don't make the topic a taboo. Like, they're making it so taboo that they're like, if we don't teach them about it, they won't do it. And has that ever worked in the history of fucking man? No. (laughs) You all used to be teenage. My fucking grandparents got married because my grandma was pregnant. That was in the fucking 30s. Like, you know, it's never worked. It's not going to work now. So let's be smarter about it. Okay? Let's stop pretending like that's something that has ever in the history of humanity done. Ignorance is bliss. That's like the worst thing to say. Right. Education is what you need to do. And you need to educate our people. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other piece to it is on top of all of that, almost no classes are LGBTQ plus oriented. Mm. So it says that less than 5% of LGBTQ plus students have had health classes that include positive Mm -hmm. representations of their population. So, and topics that really focus on them. So they have an even lower um, sexual education because it really focuses on straight cis sex ed. So mm-hmm. um, we're doing a disservice across the board to everybody, but especially <laughs> especially to that population that just doesn't have access to it in schools at all. So they have to go outside. They have to mm-hmm. hopefully get it from other sources. So we're going to share this article. And at the end, it does have a platform called Simple Source, which is apparently a sex ed platform. I haven't looked into it. So who knows? But um, it would have helped Quan or uh, it would help Kai. Kai. <laughs> In our book, and hopefully it'll help people, younger kids, and you know, just you mm-hmm. got to do it. You got to talk to them about it because yep. the schools aren't doing it. <laughs> no, they are not. Well, great, that was awesome. Let's do our rating. All right. Now this book is ten. I think Helena is always going to get a ten from me. I love her writing. I enjoyed Emily. Her narration was fucking oh, fantastic. I think she was absolutely wonderful. Ooh. I loved her. I loved her voice. Yeah. I love how she differentiated the character's character, like even within the same person. And her voice was like really deep and just was inviting. And I I really enjoyed listening to it. The writing is always really good. The storytelling is wonderful. And I just love the connection that I can make personally to a family and a scenario that I live my life, you know? So Mm -hmm. for me, that was extra. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I think it was good. It was a good book. I really enjoyed the story. I think the relationship building was really strong because the whole time you're sitting there yelling at Kai, like, this is what a love emotion is. <laughs> you know, Poor he's just guy. like, I just, I just, I just nope. can't stop thinking about her. And he kept, there's this one little part. She had a half full glass of water on his oh. coffee table when she left, when she left and moved out and moved into uh, her own apartment. And he ne- he couldn't clear that up. He kept mm-hmm. that cup for the next month and just looked at it as it slowly lost water and evaporated and became just an empty glass sitting on his coffee table with like that kind of like filmy dust at the bottom, you know? Uh (laughs) I was like, that is legitimately a sign of love, buddy. You don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't love a person, you just pick up their glasses and you put it in the dishwasher. You put it away. Yeah, there's uh, no reminiscing. You don't stare at it for a month Mm -mm. as it slowly (laughs) loses water. (laughs) So 
so I do really uh, like it. I think I'm going to give it like a like a nine. I think I mm-hmm. would have enjoyed a little bit more sex. It made sense for the characters. Sure. It yes. definitely was a lot sexier in Kith Quotient, last book. But that mm-hmm. was because that was Stella's goal, right? She, her goal was to learn sex and figure it out. Yes. Whereas Kai was just like, I don't, you know, doesn't know what he doesn't I don't know. Sex. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But yeah. No, I highly recommend it. And again, can't wait to read the third book in this series. So yeah, great. Okay, guys. So for our next book, we are going to be reading Tasting Red. It's a spicy red Riding hood retelling by Holly Roberts. We're hoping to do an interview. So who knows? It may or may not happen. But just uh, take a read, take a listen. Actually, it's just a read, I think. I think right? it's just a read book. We're going to do the ebook for it. I don't think I found it on audio. Okay. So if you guys want to follow along, please pick it up, read it, and then join us for that conversation. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are Sturdy Books on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or you can email us directly at sturdybooks at gmail.com. And in all of those places, it is sh with three H's. And you can visit us on our website at sturdybooks.com and most places that you can find podcasts. Thank you, Jim Townsend, for your music. And with that, we're going to say good night. This is Saylat. And this is Kalina. And we'll see you later. Bye. Listening to sh- reading dirty books with Galena and Saylet. Be sure to tune into the next episode. Get some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them. <laughs>